From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, your needs, and fun can all intersect. And we want to help you find them. I'm Todd Deacon. I'm Paul Schmucker. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, thanks for listening. Welcome back to, actually, here we are, the Everyday Driver Car Debate podcast number two. We are actually back. Two in a row. Look at us. Yes. Hey. Well, it's not like we're going to announce every single podcast which number it is, but we might. No, we're not. Hey, we, I, I don't think we will. That allows us to go out of order. But hey, two in a row, I may as well call out the number. That, that's hey, I, I think that's pretty significant. Um, so here's what we're going to cover tonight. We're going to cover a similar structure to last week. We're going to mainly get toward our car debate. We've had another uh, viewer write in. This is Michael Thompson from Arlington, Virginia, has written for us, which is really cool. He's written in. But prior to that, we're going to have a little bit of a news discussion about the Mitsubishi Evo X. Uh, There's been a press release announcement this week about the stats for the 2015 and final model. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about Michael's car dilemma, which is kind of involved, but pretty cool. And then uh, near the end, we're going to talk about uh, how you can help the show. That's a very common FAQ. We cover some of it in our normal video FAQs, but we've had a lot of specific questions about that. We're going to get into that at the end. But first and foremost, my friend, let's talk Mitsubishi Evo. Let's do. I uh, am very sad about this, uh, as we just recently drove it again uh, with our Nissan GTR shoot and reminded how great this car is, and what a tragedy that Mitsubishi has stopped building this car. I, I can't believe it. Well, stopped going to stop. I mean, that's the interesting, interesting thing about the press release that's come out this week. I mean, they're having a 2015 model. 2015 will be the last model. And the 2015's got a few changes. They're talking about the package names. and I mean, it's, it's, it's minimal. It's like moving minor, the chess pieces kind minor of stuff. Changes, it's not, yeah. Exactly. It's not anything significant. It's essentially, hey, look, one more year. But that's the significant thing. It is one more year. That means a year from now, next summer, they will no longer be being made, and the ones that are on the lot will be all there are. Well, I, I, So I'm glad they're extending I, it. Yeah, but, I agree. I, I guess I say stopping just because there is no future development on this brilliant little platform. And agreed. you know what's happening now is that now that Mitsubishi is quitting production after next year what in their lineup is relevant in any way for a driver's enthusiast car oh i couldn't agree with you more that is the biggest tragedy of this brand i mean here here is a car here here's the thing about it from a car perspective it's becoming long in the tooth i mean introduced sure. as the 08 model years introduced in 07 so we're seven it'll be eight years of production by the time it finally dies that is a long time that is overdue for a refresh we're yeah. talking about a car that has survived through two different generations of its main rival the sti including let's be honest last generation sti had a mid-cycle refresh that became quite a different car halfway through so you could almost argue three variations of the sti and the evo has remained relevant and now poof vanished in a puff of smoke you know i <laughs> it's really too bad like i said i was reminded how much fun we had driving that car and really mm-hmm. how brilliant everything is and like you said despite how you know, long in the tooth it is, how much it needs not just an exterior or styling refresh, but just technologically speaking, imagine what would be next after that car. What could be next? And from a styling standpoint, it could be even more aggressive. And you think, wow, just for all development to die, you know, did 
workers at Mitsubishi quit over protest that, <laughs> that they're no longer building this car because I would if you don't if you no longer get to work on a car that is is relevant or interesting or fun to drive like that Mitsubishi has no halo car now there's nothing for yeah. them to say hey attract buyers come to our brand with this driving enthusiast brand driving folks brand and what you, what we really want you to buy is this give a boring name to anything else <laughs> well but but there there's two thoughts there i i feel like when I mean, you hit on something key and that is there, what will the Halo car from Mitsubishi be? Every brand, I don't care how boring they are, has some sort of Halo car. Yeah. Some sort of, wow, I didn't know they made that car. Now they won't even have that. So I, what's the I, car that takes the place and that's left in the lineup? That's one question. And then, again, when we drove it recently, you, you brought, brought up a great point. We drove it recently against the GTRs, and that video, if it's not out yet, it's bound to be out almost any day at this point by the time you hear this. The shocking thing is that car has remained technologically valid and in some ways, technologically advanced, even seven years on. Right. So how does that car come from a brand that, as you said before, has got nothing else, nothing at all? <laughs> well, so if you are in the market for an Evo, if you've ever considered an Evo, this is the time to buy. This is the time to go find one because I suppose we could argue that prices are going to go up now that the, really, the, the top of the line, you know, the the fantastic car from Mitsubishi is no longer being built so you might want to get one now if you've ever thought about getting one if you've ever thought what is this like to drive we can tell you it's unbelievable fun I'd say go shopping for one I'm, I'm curious to know if those prices are going to start going up I'll be very curious as well I mean I don't know that they'll go up on the original sale but I think once they actually quit making them and then I wouldn't be surprised if a year from now they hang on to their value I don't know that they'll be sold for extra, but I think they'll hang on to their value for a while because of what they are. It'll be interesting to see. But on a side note, I was thinking about this earlier. Mitsubishi versus Mazda. Okay. And here's here's my point. Mazda and Mitsubishi are both, these are small car companies. These are not big car companies. Right. They're not partnered with big names. I mean, Mazda used to be partnered with Ford. Right. But frankly, I would argue that since they are no longer with Ford, they've actually made better models. If you look at Mazda's lineup right now, here's a small Japanese company. You look at their lineup, they have something genuinely competitive, or in some cases, category leading in almost every category you can name. You want, a, you want a sports car? Miata. You want a, a hatchback? Mazda 3. You want a midsize sedan? Mazda 6. You want a worthwhile five-door SUV? CX-5. These are all excellent cars in their market. And you know, all of these Meanwhile, stand alone on their own merits. All of those, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All of those Mazdas that you named, they could just have one in their lineup and it'd be excellent. But you know, in just about every category, they're strong across the board. What car can you name from Mitsubishi that you now lust after, that you think, hmm, Agreed. wonder what it's like Agreed. to drive I that? Mean, the thing I come back to is the only press they've gotten recently, and I hate, honestly, because I like the Evo so much, I almost hate to, to talk about Mitsubishi this way because the Evo still is in my top oh, five, yeah. but the only press they've gotten recently as a company has been press coverage of how bad the reviews are for the new Gallant. This is the press they're getting. <laughs> so now the question remains, will Mitsubishi go the way of Suzuki in the United States? Suzuki used to build some fantastic cars. We never got a chance to drive that Kazashi on camera. That was a good-looking yeah. little car and pretty fast. It was a better car too. than you'd think, yeah. So 
now is Mitsubishi going to start losing sales to the point where they go the way of Suzuki? They don't have a Halo car. They don't even have interesting cars across the board like Mazda does. So, frankly, yeah, I'm, I'm worried I'm for really them. curious to see. I mean, here's the thing. They may do the Toyota thing. They may ignore all enthusiasts and rise from the ashes selling a lot of very marginal average cars. But the problem is right now they don't even have those cars to stand on. <laughs> right. The cars that they make in the normal categories aren't getting noticed. And here's a brand that used to have, I mean, they weren't the greatest ever, but there's a big enthusiast background. I mean, they used to have the Eclipse. They used to have the 3000 GT. They've had Evos forever. And now they have what? <laughs> I agree. It's it's a tragedy, and I will reiterate, if you've ever thought about getting one, now's your time. So, uh, Agreed. Speaking Agreed. of time, let's move on to the car <laughs> debate, which is, uh, if you've listened to the first podcast, this is the segment where we would love it if you wrote in to us and ask us. And I will caveat this and say, look, if you're really searching for a car, if you are really, you know, torn between a few cars, you're really shopping, you're ready to spend money soon, definitely write us. We we don't want to necessarily speculate just on the merits, but if you're really shopping, we, we're really happy to help, and we've got some suggestions uh, from Michael here. Yeah, thankfully, we're having a few of you write in every week, which is really nice. You can reach us through the website, everydaydriver.com, or just do it simply. Go everydaydrivertv at gmail. That is our gmail address, which you can find through the website as well. Send us your thoughts but uh, or your debate as it is. But also, in the process, send us a little bit about you. That was the thing with Michael. We, we kind of want to know who you are, not just your budget and what you're already looking at, but what car are you coming out of? What kind of driving do you do? These are key things in our discussion. And uh, when Michael wrote to us, the thing I think is fascinating about him is the number of cars he's kind of gone through in the last few years trying to find one that works for him. Here's yeah. a guy that, that, that commutes mainly. I mean, he commutes 12 miles a day. He goes from Arlington, Virginia to D.C., he works at some sort of restaurant. I don't know why, but he works at some sort of restaurant. So most of his driving, this is not a track driver. This is not a guy that does backcountry blasts, really. I mean, most of the time, he's driving a commute car. However, he's an enthusiast at heart because he wants something that's still fun to drive. So what I find fascinating about what he sent us, Paul, what I think is crazy, is here's a guy who in the last year has had both a Scion FRS and a Focus ST. <laughs> Well, so listen to this list that he sent us that he's considering. He's he's currently got the Focus ST, if I'm not mistaken, based on his yes. words here. So listen to yes, this yes. list that he's written in that he's considering. A 2004 Volkswagen R32. So he said it's, it's got low miles, about 20 grand. A 2014 Fiesta ST, and by now you should know how highly we rate that ST. Yep. A 2010 WRX. Okay, that could be a great choice. And he's also got the current car that he owns, that 2013 Focus ST on the list, too. So, as you said, definitely an enthusiast. Hot hatches yeah. are very, very highly sought after and, and uh, fun to drive. He is aware of that. And what strikes me as I'm reading this is the tragedy that the United States doesn't get some of the better hot hatches throughout the world, namely some French <laughs> cars and some other Italian cars that we just don't get that could be options, but they just sure. aren't available here in the United sure. States. So I'd say our decisions are kind of limited here, but I do have a wild card towards the end that I will throw out uh, that I okay. thought of. It's it's a stretch maybe, but it, it is uh, maybe a consideration. So, Well, I mentioned, uh, you know, it, it, one of the things I mentioned to him when we first started talking about it before we actually put it on the podcast is I mentioned to him uh, an initial debate about this, which is how we got more information. 
and I, I threw out my wild card early on to him was the Evo X, yeah. which interestingly enough, we have probably sold a half dozen Evos over the course of the last few years just pure, few our, through our show. <laughs> and one of them actually was a fully loaded model that I think is still being driven by the owner who commutes from Arlington to D.C. It's a different guy than this. But he bought a loaded touring model. He loves it. He drove his daughter around in it, in her car seat, had a blast, and he mostly commutes in that Evo. However, he had the money to go buy a new one. I mean, he dropped forty grand on a brand new wow. one. We're talking about a $25, uh, $25 price cap, roughly, for Michael here. So that's the other big uh, caveat here is we're talking about twenty-five grand or below. He is considering new or used, which is helpful. Um, what I find interesting about his FRS breakdown is that he didn't enjoy it because it was a commute car. Interesting. But now, Interesting. But now that he's in the focus, what he misses is the handling and the agility of the FRS, which speaks exactly what we've been talking about about that car. You know, something also caught my eye, Michael, uh, on your uh, response, and that is your interest out here about getting a track car eventually. And so... Yes, noted, you are missing the, the handling capability of that FRS, but, you know, certainly the focus is better for the highway ride. So, what I'm inclined to do is suggest something hmm. that is going to be better, ultimately, for most of your needs. And that is your mm -hmm. commute first, maybe some back roads, but it isn't necessarily going to be great for track. Now, we could argue that the Fiesta ST could fit everything there. And it could. It's smaller, so if you want to take some people, you mentioned that you might have to transport some food or just, you know, a few people. Um, your mountain bike certainly is uh, definitely important, but you can get the roof rack for that. But I'm inclined to say, okay, if you, if you want everything, Fiesta ST, but you already own the Focus ST, and so you might notice that, huh, the Fiesta is just a little bit smaller of what I'm already used to. It's great. But it's not like you're coming out of something completely different. You're already in the Focus ST. I will say so, this, though. It, it, in defense of your, of your Fiesta comment, and the reason that I think, I mean, and I hate for us to talk about the Fiesta two weeks in a row here, but it is very relevant. The, thing, the reason the Fiesta, I think, might bridge the gap for him, and I've got some wild cards, too, but the reason it might bridge the gap is because the FRS wasn't fun enough in boring commute, but the Focus is not small and agile enough and that might be where the fiesta hits the sweet spot because the interesting thing here is the fiesta weighs what the frs does this is true but has more power whereas that focus is not as agile has more torque steer issues and probably weighs and i don't have it in front of me but my guess is it's somewhere in the neighborhood of about 400 pounds more than that uh than that than that frs whereas the fiesta weighs almost the same as the frs so i'm wondering if that might actually bridge the gap pretty well and still be that hatchback usable. Now it is, as you said, it's going to be noticeably smaller than that focus. Yeah. What also strikes me on your list, Michael, here is the 2010 WRX that you're looking at. You said it's got certified low miles for $23,000. Well, if you're going that route, 23 grand is going to buy you a Fiesta ST right there for that price, and it's a brand new yeah. car. So yeah. I keep pointing back to the Fiesta ST. Now, having said that, we did drive the new Mazda 3, and I did see, Todd, here in your response earlier, you suggested the Mazda Speed 3, which could be interesting. Uh, it's going to be quite a handful and maybe yeah. track-worthy. But the new Mazda 3, it's not going to be quite as sporty or have as much power as you're used to, but I came away so impressed. Problem is, it's 
going to be nudged over that $25,000 price cap. So that could be an interesting alternative. You'd have, you'd have to shop You'd have to shop really smart. You I mean, would. You wouldn't have to get the loaded one we got that's running close to thirty grand. You could get that car down into the twenty-five. The problem is, by the time you get the decent engine, which is just under two hundred horsepower, like hundred and eighty something. Yeah. By the time you get that decent engine, you are going to be probably breaking that twenty-five thousand dollar mark, and that yeah, I don't See, know. See, that's the know. problem there, and you know, great car, but it doesn't have nearly the power any of these other cars would. So. No. Again, price kind of gets you there, but I did come away really impressed with that car. It was great. It's very impressive. And besides power, it's going to fit everything else on your list. Commuting, people, mountain bike, pets. It's going to be a great car. It's probably mm-hmm. going to be mm-hmm. bulletproof in terms of reliability. I I was frankly impressed with the way it drove, and I liked it better in terms of handling feel than the prior generation Mazda Speed 3. So, oh, agreed. Agreed. You know, that could be an option in there, but that's not my wild card yet. Okay, well, I'm going to jump on one little comment he's got about his Focus here, where he says he enjoys his Focus ST, but he's not in love with it because it it's not as fun to drive and feels heavy compared to the FRS. Now, jumping off of that sentence that you've sent us, Michael, I think in your, in your initial selections, both the R32 and the WRX are just going to feel equivalently heavy. Yeah. I think the Fiesta ST is the only one that really starts to be that similar lightness to the FRS. I have two strange wild cards, but I'm very curious. You're, you're teasing me here. Which one, What are you thinking, Paul? <laughs> this is a bit out there, I admit. Uh, but when we were talking about hatches, I noticed you didn't have anything German on your list. And again, this is not as reliable, or excuse me, not as um, practical. I'm sure it'll be fine in terms of reliability, but definitely not as practical. It's not four doors. You remember the BMW Z4 Coupe? That's an interesting car. Yeah. However, yeah. I don't know if they can be found for twenty five grand. I just don't know. You'd have to again sharp shop smart and uh, yeah try to yeah. dig one up. But it could be an interesting alternative because it's rear wheel drive. So yeah. Well, interesting you bring that up because a lot, because my wild card actually for twenty five grand because I, I don't get the impression that he is he's tied. In what he says here, he's not tied to hatches. Hatches is where he's leaning, but he's not tied to hatches. If we mm-hmm. step away from hatches, one of my wild cards is the E46 M3. You could have it mm. for twenty five grand. It would be great for commuting. It would feel really classy and nice. There are those seats in the back. They're not great, but there's seats in the back if you've got to take stuff. It's going to be every bit as roomy as the FRS, maybe a little more. But you do have seats in the back. It's going to feel really classy and nice in any commuting situation. It's going to be a really nice car for all of that kind of stuff. It is agile, and if you wind up on a back road or you end up needing to track the thing, you can. Now, because it's a two-door coupe, it's going to be a little odd with the roof rack and the mountain bike. That's going to be a little strange, but I do think that's an option. I think that's a, that's a consideration point. That's interesting. You bring that up, and that makes me think of the Audi S4. If you're going more sedan, that would give mm. you the all-wheel drive kind of stability that you mentioned, Michael, that you might be looking for. Yeah, it's going to be heavier. Those older S4s have the V8. You're not going to get that turbocharged screaming engine, but in terms of space and room and power and definitely the class, you know, the classiness is going to be quite a bit better on that car. So, although on that um, BMW Coupe, you could get the four-door. You could try to look for a four-door instead. Well, but the E46 didn't have one, I don't think. 
the E36 did, and then 36. the E90 90 series did, but the E the E46 doesn't have a four door E4 uh, M3. I don't believe. Uh, E46 was from... somebody. Somebody is currently looking it up as they listen to this to see if see which one of us is right. But I'm pretty sure it does not. Really? What? Uh, that was what years was the E46? Remind me again. It was the E. It was the O3 to O uh, to O8. I should have Wikipedia in front uh, of me or something. But you I know, I think they. I'm. I think they did. I remember seeing that really? that copper colored M3. I don't think they made very many of them, so they'd be hard to find. But I do think they made the four. I don't think they made them at all. But okay, I I think they did. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody is currently checking us, and it'll end up in the comments on Facebook. Yes. Somebody will decide that one of us is a moron, yes. and we're willing to hear that. That's fine. Well, so we've got some interesting choices out here. Uh, yeah, the hot hatches are fun, but I'm reading this list again, Michael, and I'm thinking to myself, you've almost exhausted the list. You've almost owned everything on this list, <laughs> and I bemoan the fact that we don't get the plethora of options like the rest of the world does. All these great yeah. French cars and... Like I said, some Italian cars, some Alphas, or something like that could just be different driving experiences. We're kind of limited yeah. in that category, so we've got to branch out. We've got to push it a little bit more. Well, I I, I think we may end up with another <coughs> Fiesta ST recommendation. But anyway, um, yeah. yeah, so there's that. So uh, um, what you're saying is we've switched from selling Evos to selling Fiesta STs now. Apparently, apparently that is the purpose of us now. Uh, we and the Smoking Tire, our entire purpose is to sell the uh, Fiesta ST. That's, that's uh, right. I don't own one, but apparently that's all that's happening right now. Um, <laughs> and we sold anyway, so yeah, many I, that I they've be... stopped making them now. We've pretty much put them out of business <laughs> because we've made so many recommendations to buy an Evo, they no longer make them. Awesome. Exactly. Well, you know, honestly, uh, Michael, if you get the chance, I would recommend that you try to get into... Uh, either the, the the Z4 that Paul's recommending and or that M3. I'd be very curious to hear your thoughts about that in relation to what you're going for. I am most intrigued by the fact that you miss the light handling of your FRS. That, to me, is quite intriguing just because that is the thing that puts that car alone in the marketplace. So if you're missing that reality, you're kind of stuck, frankly. It's kind of one of those things you kind of have to give up. I mean, the only thing I could recommend, this is going to sound really insane, that would keep that, but keep commutability. Is that a commutability. word? Anyway, hmm. would keep. I'm going to go it with it. Now. Would keep your commutability. Would be the Porsche Cayman. You could get one of those for 25 grand. It would be much better for a commute. It would feel much nicer. It would be a much classier car. It would have that lightness that the FRS has. However, it has even less room. Now it has more cargo space. Yeah. But it has actual less passenger room, and uh, I. I actually did see a Cayman on the road today with a mountain bike rack on the roof. It's it's I it don't know if happen. it's as cool as that. Yeah, I don't know if it's as cool as like the James Bond for your eyes only Lotus uh, Esprit with a ski rack. It's not that cool, but it does kind of work. It does kind of work. Well, you mentioned that that light front wheel drive or or light front handling, rear wheel drive, and that's why my mm -hmm, brain mm -hmm. went to that Z4 coupe because it's got sure. a similar layout. It's a little bit different yep. car. But it's kind of got a hatch on it, so it's trying to combine the hot hatch with the FRS. It's sort of a mashup between the two, and so that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But uh, either way, Michael, I'd say go drive it, and that's going to be your dis deciding factor. I mean, only you will know, but you've you've been through this list almost exhaustively, and you can't keep going <laughs> round and round <laughs> because we're just not going to get those cars in the U.S. So uh, 
So yeah, go I'd be very curious them. to hear your thoughts. I mean, you're talking about at one point here. You mentioned you kind of like sleepers. I don't know that you've owned a whole lot of sleepers uh, in this list, but uh, <laughs> but the problem that with sleepers, when I start thinking about sleepers, is they're all bigger cars. If you're yeah. missing the lightness of the FRS, that uh, once I get into th- like thinking about sleepers, they're all big cars with a lot of power, but they're not they're not light. They're not agile. Uh, they just go. Well, so, so uh, interesting. Yeah, like I said, uh, we really appreciate you writing in. Keep it coming. Please. And uh, Michael, hope that helps. Please let us know where your search goes and what you end up deciding to buy or if you decide to keep that focus. But for right now, let's move on to the next question. And that is. I will uh, also say, though, those of you that are listening, those of you that are listening, feel free. We are listening to your comments about the cars we forgot, the cars Michael should be considering that we didn't think oh, of. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we, aren't, we aren't infallible in any way, shape, or form. So please uh, jump onto the discussion. Uh, help Michael out. We're welcome to that as well. And yeah, you were going to go on to, to an FAQ, some stuff that we hear a lot. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of people write in and ask, how can we help you guys out? How can we help the show? And I think it has less to do in terms of, you know, a couple bucks here and there, but more in terms of buying the films that we produce and certainly mm-hmm. telling your friends about the show and definitely subscribing. We want to see that subscribership number pushed and our goal before 2014 is out, we want to crest 100,000 subscribers. And yep. I think yep, what yep. are we currently at? 70 something, right about 70ish. About 70 grand. Yeah, about 70 grand. That's possible before the year is out. We'd like to have the 100,000 subscribers. And also, I'm going to go a step further. I'd like to have a minimum of 100,000 views for each new review in the first month. Um, you know, there's people doing the walk around. I'm holding a camcorder and yeah. I'm talking to the, ca- to the camcorder and I'm walking around a car and then I drive it down a neighborhood. Those guys are getting 100,000, 200,000 views. Uh, we'd like to certainly think that what we're making is worth at least 100,000 views, but that's not going to happen by us sitting here and saying, saying, hey, watch our show. It's going to happen by you guys sharing the show, and many of you do, and we really appreciate it. Agreed, yes. Uh, we that we is, definitely I mean, appreciate you that. Are, you are the marketing department for the show. So, uh, Agreed. We're doing everything we can to make it, so please uh, yell from the rooftops to everyone you know about the show. Well, um, so uh, here's a question for the audience. You've asked us questions. So the question from us to you is about the seasons that we produce. Do you want that on Blu-ray? Would you like to see that as a compilation of everything that Todd and I produce in a year? Would you like to see that on a Blu-ray? Or maybe that's just a compilation that you could download digitally or rent as well. That would be another idea, just like we're doing with all of the films that we're going to be producing, like the 9-11 film. Do you want to see that? Would that be handy? Would you like it? certainly be in higher quality well you can watch it 1080p on on uh youtube well but i would i would say we'll keep it to i, I would say we we'll almost keep it to blu-ray because the thing about blu-ray that you may not realize is that we can offer you a picture quality on blu-ray that has a higher bit rate i'm going to get all technical here for a second but we can offer something with a higher bit rate than you can watch when you're watching a streaming so if you if you have a blu-ray player if you like blu-rays that is actually the question would you want and i'm just throwing it out here the the best of 2014 from Everyday Driver on Blu-ray, which means that picture is going to look shocking. I mean, if and only because I've seen it every way possible. If you look at our 9/11 <laughs> film on a nice TV, playing off the Blu-ray versus on the same nice TV playing streaming, it's better on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And then that's just because of the bit rate. It comes purely down to the quality of the file. So uh, you know, if that's of interest to you, let us know. And I will also say this: there have been many of you, and this has been a real surprise. But thank you. There have been many of you over the years who have said. 
I know it's just you guys working on the show. Can I send you a couple bucks? And we're talking gas money. We're talking 20 right. bucks, 40 bucks. Right. Many of you have done that over the years. If you ever notice a random name in the producer credits of one of our episodes, that random name, nine times out of ten, is one of our viewers who sent us gas money. If you want to do that, you can find us through PayPal. That's not something we really advertise because, again, you guys sharing the show is even more important than that. Agreed. But Agreed. a few of you have really kind of, for lack of a better way to put it, in a nice way, chased us down and gone, no, seriously, how can I do this? <laughs> so thank you to those of you that have done and that. And not, not that we would turn down the money. That's not what I'm saying. No, no. By oh, any oh, means. Oh, no. No, 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 no. That's very helpful, and it does go directly towards paying our expenses, paying for fuel, for meals, all the video production that we need to do, so we don't e- we don't even get paid. So no, that definitely goes towards the production. But uh, yeah, let us know on that uh, Blu-ray, just the seasons compilation, because it costs money to have those made. It's a lot of time and effort to put that compilation together, and we're asking, would it be worth it? Would that be uh, would that be something you would watch and purchase? So please let us know. Now even even. Even without that, I will say this. I mean, keep in mind, our 9-11 film is out there. If you haven't seen it on Blu-ray, there's a lot of extras on there as well. Please, uh, If you're interested, please uh, track that down through our website or on Amazon. Um, but we're going to do another film this year. In fact, we're in pre-pro right now for our next film this year. We're hoping to do one a year. We will keep selling those. We'd love for you to keep buying them. That would be awesome. I will say one more way you can help us. This just dawned on me. Folks, ad blockers. Please turn them off. Ah, I, I know point. that sounds weird. I know it sounds strange. You may have an ad block. You don't even remember if it's on. Uh, guys, this is this is the only way we make any money on this show is that little 30 seconds up front. And uh, we can, of course, with all the Google Analytics, we can track what happens with our pieces. And I would say only about half, maybe sometimes two-thirds of our viewership is actually connected with an ad. The rest of you are running ad blockers. That is... Uh, if you want to help, turn the ad blocker off. That would be very mm, helpful. Great point. Well, we really, really appreciate you listening. And most importantly, yes. thanks for watching. And here's mm-hmm. all the social media outlets that we can possibly think of that would help us. <laughs> <laughs> so not just Twitter and Facebook, but really the subscribership button. That's personal goals for both Todd and I is that subscribe button. We yep. want to see that skyrocket. And hopefully by virtue of... Uh, you know all the the things that we're doing, the new podcasting format. We hope you like it. So write in, tell us about that. But uh, please, and you can find us, us. You can find us anywhere. We want to hear your thoughts. You can find us. It's Everyday Driver on Facebook. It's at Everyday Driver on Twitter. Of course, the website is EverydayDriver.com. I, I'll see how many more times I can say Everyday Driver in the next few sentences. Hang on. <laughs> um, of course, on YouTube it is Everyday Driver. Uh, on the website, if you don't go to the website much, we do have write-ups in addition to a lot of our video reviews. Of course, video reviews are our point. But uh, you can put comments or questions in any of these outlets. We welcome them. We do read them all. And now that we're doing this podcast, you can be a little more interactive with us. So uh, run to any of those places and share with us your thoughts, uh, your uh, disagreements, uh, the places that were stupid. We do read it all. So feel free to <laughs> we share. We do. And I thought of one more thing, and that is Tag Tuesdays on everyday drivers. So if you see a license plate with something yes. that you just can't stand or you think, uh-huh, isn't that the state of society today? <laughs> or anything that strikes you that might be funny and worth showing on Twitter or Facebook, please send it in. Tag yes. Tuesdays on Everyday Driver, another great way yep. of helping us out and uh, something a little more informally that we've launched there. So Tag Tuesdays, 
everyday driver. Well, thanks again, guys. Thank you for listening, yeah. and we will be back, hey, same time next week with even more of the Everyday Driver exactly. car debate. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to the next one.